Welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver with your host, Chris Carell. Join us each week as we explore how to live a life by design by applying the tools and techniques of emotional intelligence and personal transformation. Here's Chris. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver, um, the learning to feel uh, version. And um, I'm happy, happy, happy to uh, have with me on the call today, uh, Candace Sogren, who's my co-author and, you know, one of my best, best friends. Um, Candace is um, uh, a senior executive in the financial world, um, uh, leader of finances and, and uh, um, kind of rainmaker. She's a trained lawyer um, by, by trade and, um, and has been an angel investor, has been in all kinds of C-suite uh, positions, and, um, but I know her best as my co-author on, on Typhoon Honey, uh, which we wrote together, um, you know, over a period of about a year and a half, and it really uh, cemented our relationship and and uh, really, you know, took us to a whole deeper level. So, Candace, thank you so much for coming and joining me today. Uh, what we want to talk about is um, some of the concepts in my latest book, Learning to Feel, uh, have to do with um, why do we need our emotions? You know, um, it, it seems as though. Um, in modern times, we almost want to hold emotions at arm's length and, and not feel. Um, some of us don't want to feel because of the gravity of the stuff that's going on in the world around us, the violence and terrorism and mass shootings and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just too hard to feel sometimes. But, but, you know, in, in your opinion, what's the advantage of having a, a deep emotional awareness and, and, you know, emotional, what we will call emotional intelligence, which is the ability to not only be aware of it, but, but respond effectively to it. Such a good question, Chris. I'm so happy to be back with you on, on your podcast. Um, it's, this is so sensitive and so raw for me right now because I'm, I'm in it, uh, currently. Um, mm. and, uh, I literally just hosted nine of my employees at my house for the last few days. Um, and I told them, like, keep your laptops at home. That's not what this is about. And we spent two days talking about trust wow. and love and fear. And um, and I was teaching them how to call each other forward if they were operating from fear. And, and mm. we just... I asked them to each share their entire life stories. We cooked family meals together. And the purpose was I recognized that my employees are afraid they're burnt out and they, they don't have, they don't know what their why is. They don't know why they're coming to work every day. And what I think is missing with when leaders don't, when leaders are not emotionally aware or tapped in, um, uh, then, then what suffers is their employees, their employee health, um, their employee satisfaction. Um, there's lack of trust among their teams mm. because if we can't share all of ourselves with one another, then we're all just robots. Yeah. We're all just so it wasn't down. just it wasn't it, you know it wasn't a bonding experience. It really was a skill awareness kind of um, you know deep dive for them to um, get to know that language with each other. Now, what a brilliant thing yeah. to do. And I actually asked my team, I said, what's missing from our team right now? Confidence, competence, or conviction? Hmm. And they all conviction. And I said, 
that's all emotion. Like that's, that's emotional yeah. intelligence, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, so we spend time on like, why are we here? Like, why do we show up to work every day? Why did we say yes to this job? Why do we put our families to the side and work sometimes until midnight? Like what's the purpose? And we yeah, all right. got something that we could care about, mm. but it took us some time, you know, it took us several hours to get there. Yeah. Cause I don't think business is set up to, you know, to work that way to, you know, to mm-hmm. have emotional awareness. We, you know, we tend to make it all about the business. Um, you know, I, long ago I did a, a Ted talk and, and the, the starting line of the, the whole Ted talk was about this scientist who once said, if we could just speak in equations, we'd all be a lot better off because we wouldn't have those emotional things getting in the way. And, you know, and nothing could be further from the truth, could it? It's because it's it, we communicate with other humans, you know, this way, you know, with our yeah. emotions, with our eyes, with our hearts. It's so funny to hear you say that. So so there's two stories that you just triggered. One <laughs> is that when I was in a salesperson, just an individual contributor, my boss came to me and he said, Candice, you're our best salesperson, but nobody likes you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you you're really not doing great in, in interpersonal stuff. And I said, if I would do great at my job, if I just didn't have to deal with other people, uh, <laughs> and like, you know, and like that, and I said, you just need to get me a SWAT team of like two other people. And that's all I have to deal with. And I'll go, get, I'll go sell you everything you need. And the, at the time, like, that's what I thought I needed. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I went to a UC Berkeley um, leadership retreat and at the leadership retreat, they talked about vision, task and relationship and um, and they said, you know, what most lower level employees focus on is task and what mo- many CEOs focus on is vision. Mm-hmm. But what the key to successful middle management is relationship. And like right. if that's missing, that's a really that's a really important layer in, in leadership teams yeah. um, is the relationship layer. So one other tr- story that was triggered in, uh, is that in a previous job that I had, our CEO called in all the senior management we had just had a layoff and he called in all the senior management and he said, I wanted to let you know that you are not allowed to talk about anything that is happening in, in the media, um, in the world. We are not a social club. So he says right after we had a layoff. Oh my gosh. Like, and I said, I'm sorry, but I disagree with you. Like, like if yeah. if if my employees is affected by George Floyd or something else that's happening in the world, we are definitely going to talk about it. You know, like like mm-hmm. yeah, they, they put you know employees put so much of their time and energy into their jobs, and like if they're hurting, there gets to be a place for that. But I, I just I was like, wow, I'm in I'm in organizations that are literally saying we're not a social club and you're not allowed to talk right. about emotion. Right. It's it's funny because you know long ago and far away I was um, SVP of of uh, a consulting firm that did corporate outplacement and part of my job was you know day of the the downsizings when when people were let go to bring everybody into the room and say and, and just cathart and say what's you know what's coming up for you and and allow people the space to emote. And, and to talk about, um, survival guilt, a lot came up. Um, you know, how do we relate to and talk to our friends who are now no longer here? Um, are we allowed to do it? It's just all the confusion that was, um, you know, embedded in a, a major downsizing like that. Um, it, you know, brought so many, uh, so many feelings up to the surface. And it was so important to do that 
So what happens then when you have somebody like that or when you have an organization that is not emotionally aware or even adept at dealing with the emotional side of human beings? What happens? Well, at the most uh, rudimentary level, people quit. Um, so, so <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It, but at that organization that said we are not a social club, within a month of that announcement, six vice presidents in this organization all quit on the same day. I was one of them. And mm-hmm. six, five others quit alongside me. My boss quit a month later. Um, and every C-suite person has quit except for the CEO at this point. And yeah. so, so like major turnover happens. And the yeah. reason for that, and this is why I ended up having all of my employees at my house this week, last week, is that there's no trust. Yeah, there's no trust. If you don't care about me as a human, mm-hmm. then then I don't matter to you. I yeah. am just here to punch a clock or to push a widget, yeah. and and if that's all I'm here for, I can I can get so much more somewhere else. Yeah, and so that's what I think happens to organizations is they 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 fall apart. Um, well, they fall apart because the key ingredient, the the cement that holds us together, is trust. You know, and and there's two kinds of trust There's that big capital T trust where, you know, I I fundamentally don't trust you as a person. Um, There's also another layer of trust that I I call, you know, lowercase T trust, which is I don't understand you. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I trust you as a person, maybe, you know, I'd let my kids stay at your house or something like that, but I don't understand where you're coming from. And that a lot is, is, you know, again, when you have that get together and have people start learning each other's style and, and backstory, then what comes out of their mouth is more trustworthy because we have a context for it. And so, you know, kudos to you for doing that. That is brilliant management. You know, so one other thing, too, is is like what happens, what happens to your to the people within an organization, mm-hmm. um, the, the lower level people who are who are, you know, suffering at the cost of the leader who is not emotionally intelligent. Um, I, I'll just give an example from my personal life. So I've had a, a lot of struggles this year uh, with with um, uh, trying to bring a new child into our family. And um, and at one point I was in a custody battle earlier in the year and I, I had told my boss about it. And um, and, you know, we we lost the custody battle. And, you know, a couple of days later, um, the, the, we got into an argument and I he, he wanted me to fire an employee. I didn't want to do that. And so I said, I think your issue is with me. And he said, you're just so emotional. You're all over the place. Now, mind you, this was like a day after. the custody, Right. Right. right? Now, what happened as a result of that is, you know, he, he said, you know, I won't fire you, but I'll accept your resignation. And I was like, I don't resign. So we, we ended up in this very weird dynamic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dynamic. And and so while he didn't fire me and I didn't quit, I ended up having a miscarriage slightly thereafter, shortly thereafter. And I didn't feel safe to talk about it with him. So I flew to Miami to be at a conference with him two days after I had surgery from my miscarriage. And I, luckily we now have a COO who cares. And I said, just so you know, I no longer feel safe as an employee. I don't feel safe. I can't mm-hmm. be human here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I can only be a robot. Um, and so like the, now they're like, there's lack of safety too for employees. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, who was it, you know, Alexander the Great says, so go the leader, so go the followers. You know, when Mm -hmm. when there is this lack of trust among the senior leaders of an organization that bleeds all over the organization itself and and none of the employees will feel safe 
None of the employees will feel trust with each other or across divisions um, in in the organization. It just it just bleeds all over everything, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you get only automatons you know, pushing widgets and buttons and, and, and doing that, but there's no, you know, the, the essence of critical thinking is thinking outside of the, this is my, my lane and saying what's over in this lane and what's over in that lane. And how does what I do affect either of those? There's just, you know, blinders at this point, because I'm just going to put my head down and do my job because it's the safest way I can stay safe. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, you know, essential, there's like evidence that that emotional intelligence is essential in leadership. Um, you know that that we we must train leaders. We must you know, and it's funny because I have the belief that one of our most original elements in evolution as as the human species was emotion. You know, yeah. it's it's seated in the deepest part of our brain, in the most primitive part of our brain. It's how we stayed alive and it's how we bonded together, because as a species, we're not really strong enough to survive a battle with a lion or a tiger or a bear or anything like that. But as a team, we can. We you know, we, we're able to. So part of our, our bonding um, as humans to create society and survival. And part of our basic survival instinct is that we have this tool, um, this ability to feel um, and experience and translate experience into um, direction. So what's available when you have emotional intelligence? How does that help you guide yourself and, and, you know, like, oh, you, you too emotional person, you, you know, like, how does that help you? Well, it's interesting because uh, having been on the other side of that uh, that conversation recently mm-hmm. with a CEO, I had a, I had choices, right? So so I had a choice. I'm a leader as well. I had a choice mm-hmm. to quit, and I called you for coaching about this. <laughs> I had a choice to quit or to stay, um, and, and and to shift, and 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 I made the choice to shift. Um, largely because I'm the breadwinner of my family and other things. Right. But, but I, I, because I am emotionally intelligent, I was able to step into the shoes of, of this other person. I was able to understand the extreme stress, the stress that they were under that week. And I was able to say, okay, like I can, I can have empathy here. Mm -hmm. I can meet this person where they're at and I can shift how I'm showing up so that we can continue to coexist. Um, and like uh, knowing how to shift, understanding mm-hmm. how to shift, and also just how to how to speak differently to different populations. Um, when I had my offsite here, my employees, I asked them each to to come from ownership about something that wasn't working and what could we count on from them. And one of them said, "Well, so and so and this other team is just awful, and and the solve for this is to fix this person." And I said, "Okay, great. What do you know about this person? And like, what matters to them? Do they like public acknowledgement and praise?" Mm-hmm. And, and and this, this employee was like, I don't know. And I, I said, know. okay, let's well, bring up and figure out how, because clearly how you're talking to this person is not, is right. not a, because other members of our team do have effective communication with this person. And mm-hmm. so I think when you're emotionally intelligent, you're more productive. First of all, you're more efficient. You have more positive relationships. Mm-hmm. There's trust. Um, and teams are, teams are, you know, teams are more, more effective. 
Yeah, I want to unpack that because there's a lot that you just that you just covered. You know, so first off, you know, I want to unpack shifting, and secondly, I want to talk about you know, like how being emotionally aware about ourselves allows us to distinguish between what's ours and what's the other person's so that you can be more effective with that other person in listening to their come from. So let's first talk about, you know, how does emotional intelligence or emotional awareness help you do shifting or and, and what is shifting to you? Because it, it is one of the most powerful tools that we as individuals can can own. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So shifting to me is is recognizing when you're up against it in mm. some way. And in that moment, while you're up against it, when you're in the darkest of dark hours, mm. recognizing that there are other paths you can take and choosing one of those other paths. Right. Um, I, I, what, what happened in this particular instance with me um, was I called a friend of mine who we both know, and she said, you're addicted to your emotions right now. Like stop you're attached, it. yeah. Yes, she's like you're 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 like super addicted to your emotions, mm-hmm. and this particular person doesn't want emotions, so they're the captain of the ship. Get on board, and that right. that coaching that feedback allowed me to shift and say, oh, you know, like I okay, I just won't cry at work, and um, <laughs> and it, allow, it allowed me to now move into a space where I can coexist with another person. Yeah. Yeah. So shifting for me is is recognizing when, um, you know, the emotion has me instead of me having the emotion. And and, you know, what we often talk about is that behind each emotion, there's a thought and behind each thought, there's a belief. And so when I feel like the emotion has me, um, then I need to look at what is the thought and what is the, the belief system that's behind that. And, uh, and, and then I can choose a different thought. I can choose, um, to say, well, is that belief serving me anymore? Is that a belief that I got when I was a kid? Um, and, mm-hmm. and I was just, you know, trying to protect myself, you know, as, as a child, um, up against a mean, nasty world, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, does that belief serve me? So I have two choices there that allow me to do something different. When I have a different thought, I have a different set of emotions. So mm-hmm. shifting for me is, is also owning that the, uh, you know, and, and being aware of the fact that the emotion has me at this moment. Um, and I can choose. You know, so it's really based on that that choice. Um, but it's such a great tool, you know, because what that then allows me to do is the second thing, which I want to unpack for you with you is, is when I'm aware like that, and I know this is my feeling, it's not coming from somebody else. Um, you know, what what does that allow me to do with the other person then? How, how can I then see into what they're, you know, you talked about your CEO who just doesn't want to have feelings at work. Um, there's a, there's a why behind that. There's a Mm -hmm. whole, there's a whole, you know, he's scared of his emotions or something like that. Well, you know, they're afraid of, of the, the uncontrollable nature of them. Or, or, you know, I, I'm able to then listen for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you hear when you do that? I, I think that um, there's a there's a shared humanity um, that I that I'm able to tap into when I shift. That like okay, we're both humans. We're living a human experience. 
there's something going on for this other person. Can I, can I try to understand what that is? And even if I don't agree with them, and even if I don't condone their behavior, I can still at least um, identify. Um, and, 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 you know, that, that gives me a new starting point. Um, and, and it's really helpful with your employees, you know, like where with my employees, like when I, like one employee was underperforming and I talked to him about it and he was like, my mom is dying. And, and he was able to share with me that what's happening like with, Mm -hmm. with, in his personal life. And it, it helps to, it helped to elucidate for me, like why his work was suffering. And while that's still not, you know, condoning, uh, poor work, it was, I was able to have compassion. And I even said, you know, like, while this may or may not work out at work in, in this particular instance, because the performance has, has, has fallen, um, you get to go be with your family, you know, yeah. like, like I want you to be with your family right now, whether it's where it's you working- need to be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and so now this person and I have a, a strong relationship, even mm-hmm. though they may not work with me much longer, um, but they can understand, you know, and I can understand them and, and we may work again in, a, in another place or another time. So yeah, right. I was just um, a couple of weeks ago, I was conducting a workshop at a men's retreat up in New Hampshire, um, had about 25 guys in this um, in this workshop. Um, and I was talking about that, that cycle that beliefs lead to thoughts, lead to emotions, lead to the feeling. The thing that you see on the surface is, you know, the kind of the tip of the iceberg is the feeling. And then the action that, that, you know, is, is a result of our feeling this way. So mm-hmm. emotions cause feelings, cause actions, actions produce results and results feed back into our belief system either confirming mm-hmm. or or refuting our belief system you know so there's this big circle and I'm explaining this to them and I said so who who's gotten a, an example and this one elder gentleman he's maybe about 60 years old or something like that says says I got an issue my wife is always picking on me. She's always putting me down. She's always doing this. And, you know, my, my spidey senses go off when I hear the word always. Always, <laughs> always never, always never. Yeah. Always never. Right. Uh, she never does this. To anyway. So I, I said, so what is the thought? You know, like, what's the emotion? And he said, well, I'm angry. And I, I said, so what's the thought behind the anger? Well, I think she should treat me a certain way. You know, and I said, so what's the belief about you? He said, well, I've never been treated right. I've, you know, like that. So all of a sudden he stops right in the middle of a sentence. And he looked at me and he said, oh, my God, this is about me, not her. (laughs) You know, like we were talking about before. He said, I, I like I'm making it all about her and it's really all about I have this belief in my head that, you know, nobody ever treats me right. And so I just make it like that. She's just another one of those. Nobody other pe- treats me right. And, and 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 he stops again and he said, you just may have saved my marriage because I was just done with this whole thing. And and I need to go apologize. It's it's like me. I'm 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 doing this to her because of what's inside me. Um, and so, like that's the kind of stuff that's available when we unpack the emotion and and and, and give it the 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 rightful place of of what it's there to do is to help us you know understand ourselves and how we relate to other people. And it is that connection you know that you're talking about. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever, whatever we're upset about in our worlds, we're creating. <laughs> that's, that's always a big realization. That's always that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's, you know, once we get that, that's what allows us to shift. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, I'm creating this. You know, I'm mm-hmm. really upset. I'm really stuck right now. And it's my stuckness that's creating this, not, or my interpretations yeah. that are creating this, not, not the world doing things to me. The world doesn't give a damn about me. You know, yeah. uh, the universe is neutral. You know, information is neutral. Everything is neutral. It just, you know, life is chaos. Um, mm-hmm. And I take it all personally. And then my emotions get all trapped up in that because I'm not allowing my emotions to do the thing that they were designed to do, which is really help me sense my way through, feel my way through um, life as I'm, I'm experiencing it. Something that's coming up for me, Chris, and I, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because your book is about learning to feel. Mm-hmm. And so I read it and I've loved it. <laughs> um, and so I'm curious as to when, are you feeling too much? Like, so you're learning to feel and now you're, you're, you know, your, your feelings are driving the bus and not you. So like, how do you decipher when, when to like, let the feeling. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's a great question. And I think it's the fear that a lot of people operate from is that, that emotions will drive the bus. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they don't, you know, when you're learning to feel and, or relearning to feel because we are born with emotions um, you know, babies cry and they ha- are happy and, and they just emote, you know, that's just their nature. Um, I have a four-year-old, I have a four-year-old who's emoting on a daily basis. Right, now. <laughs> right. And he just, he lives there. Right. But we learn uh, how to integrate that as we grow up. What happened is that we, you know, a lot of us have unlearned or, or covered over and squashed our emotions. So when we start learning how to feel again, it's not like we're putting feelings in the driver's seat we're we, we're putting them in the in the right place you know because who's the person who's learning how to feel you know in 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 buddhist thought they talk about you know we have two people in us there's the i and the i see myself as you know so there's the i that's seeing myself and the self that's that that i perceive our emotions are part of that that system you know so I can look at my emotions. I, the the real I, the the I that is seeing, can can look at emotions. And when I understand them and I know where they're coming from, um, they're useful to me. I know I know what direction to go. I, I, I know that each emotion carries with it a kind of a set of directions. You know, mm-hmm. do this, don't do that. You know, go forward, go backwards, go right, go left. You know, they're they're kind of like directional indicators. And and so when we learn the meaning of emotions and what they carry with them, you know, as their message, we become much more the eye that's seeing that become much more effective. They don't ever take over the bus driver <laughs> position, you know. Um, if you're reading to Ivra, you have to read. Let the pigeon don't let the pigeon drive the bus. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing too though that like um, is is when there is no outlet for emotion, <clears throat> then emotion is more likely to drive the bus. Oh, so, yeah. so, so that... the, the, well, we're not a social club, you know, <laughs> my former CEO, like it's when we can't talk about things that mm-hmm. they get bottled up 
that they, we end up having health problems, that we end up having relationship <laughs> problems, that we end up, you know, that's when we start to fall apart. And so Absolutely. I actually think the opposite, right? So the more that we talk about emotion, the less power it has um, over our day-to-day operating Well, the, the, the less randomness, uh, you know, the less yeah. likely it is to just explode in places where we don't need it or want it or where it's not functional, you know. So uh, you're, you're right, you know, the, we all have emotions and if we bottle them up, they will, you know, that that container will explode at some point. It'll pop out and and you'll have to deal with it then, you know. So if you're not able to, be with your emotions and understand them and and work with your own emotions and, and, and allow them to speak to you, then they're going to come and, and speak to you, (laughs) you know, they will take over. And, and, and that's when, that's when they're become, you know, emotions and emotional outbursts become um, dysfunctional, you know, that, that they're, they're not useful Um, and they do get in the way. And I think that's what, you know, the fear that 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 former CEO is operating from is that, you know, he may have gotten burned that way himself or, you know, there must be something in there that would have him say, no, this is not a social club. We're not going to talk about emotions here. <clears throat> and um, and so, you know, let's put a cap back on, on a lid on this whole thing. Um, so I guess what I'm hearing you say is there is a power and I agree with this, <laughs> there is a power to being aware of your emotions such that you can use them, you know, when they speak to you, what they're, you know, what directions they tell you to go in. Um, is there any other thing that you can say from from a leadership position where, you know, what you did, you know, is really what you did was brilliant with your team? I'll I'll just give one other example. So I I was asked to terminate an employee a few months ago, right when this employee came back from maternity leave. And I uh, really pushed back hard. I really pushed back hard. And yes, they were before they went on leave. But and so I said, I'm going to at least give them 30 days and Mm -hmm. and see how they they, um, perform. And they were okay. Um, But I I thought this, like, I knew I had, I knew I was going to be pushed to terminate Mm -hmm. this person. But I thought there's got to be a humane way to do this. So I met with this person in person and I said, hey, I think that this is likely going to happen. Please use the next few weeks while you're getting paid to look for another job. You know, like you have my support. I, like I, I really want to be supportive to your process here. Mm-hmm. The person came back and they said, no, 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 I'm doubling down. I'm committed. And I thought, Ugh. and so so then I started really paying attention to what's happening in this person's life. And her mother broke her hip. She then had no childcare for her child. And so then I said, now's the time. So then I was able to go to her and say, I'm able to give you a severance package so you can be with your child right now. Go be with your family. Like your mom is hurt. You don't have childcare. Go be with your family. Use this time. And so it was able, she was able to see this as a gift. Yeah, right. For this rather than, um, I can't believe you're doing this to me. And so I think there's so much value in being able to really care about a person and what matters mm-hmm. to them, yeah. such that yeah. it doesn't have to be a bad decision. It doesn't have to be the end of the world. It can be something that can be a gift. Right. Brilliant. Thank you so much for, for spending some time with me. Uh, I, I love talking with you always. And, and um, you know, I really appreciate what you have to offer and what you've taught me um, in, in our working together. So I love you dearly. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, and thank um, you. thanks again.